Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Dammel. We're brought to you by Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. Your random college hooper of the week this week is Trayvon Woodall. Trayvon Woodall, former guard from Pitt. I feel like whenever, Taylor, I'm trying to find some of these random players, I always gloss over Pitt. I'm not sure why, but Pitt has a, a plethora, a trough, if you will, of some of these random ballers that were very relevant during that time and just kind of faded from the memory after that. Trayvon Woodall. Yeah, they're, they are a sneaky, uh, good basketball program, which gives you a lot of sneaky, good players that don't necessarily end up becoming good pros, which is almost the exact thing that we look for in our random uh, uh, player of the week. Yeah, we need it right there in the sweet spot. So Trayvon Whittle, random college trooper of the week. Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feed is. And make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel. Let's open the curtains. We are just a week away from college hoops. 
starting? Can you smell it? Can you taste it? Can you see it? Can you feel it? What's the last uh, sense that I'm missing? Uh, hear it? Can you hear it? Thank you. <laughs> well, I hope I hope other people can hear it via this podcast that they listen to on a weekly basis. But you can just kind of tell uh, in the news cycle that basketball, college basketball is ramping up. Uh, it's kind of a, a, a daily thing that's talked about um, on ESPN and CBS Sports and all that. And uh, it's, it's appearing on the front page every day now, considering, you know, the AP poll came out last week, the preseason All-Americans came out last week. Um, and then you have some not-so-good news, uh, which we'll talk about uh, here coming up shortly. Uh, but you can just kind of tell that we're getting there. That, you know, and, and not that this has anything to do with college basketball necessarily, but the NBA draft is tonight, which kind of reminds everybody who the college basketball players were last year. And that kind of gets them thinking about coming this year. Usually it's the opposite. Usually it's like no one's giving a shit about college basketball in June when the draft usually is. But, but the fact that it's a week before the college basketball season this year, I think kind of gets people into it a little more. There's a lull as well in the NFL season. I mean, each week everyone loves, but this is kind of the sweet spot where, I don't know, teams haven't necessarily made their move for playoff positioning, if you will. Week 10 is kind of like, okay, it's still, you know, not, not must watch television. These games don't mean a hundred percent towards the, the postseason. And then of course, like you had mentioned, we do have college basketball tipping off here shortly, uh, but it's good to be back. We usually end the program, Taylor, with hugs and we will again during this during this episode but i wanted to also start the program with a hug to you for hosting last week solo you had good friend of the program cody come on to talk a little bit uh but thank you for for hosting by yourself you know some people some of the listeners have said taylor you might be a little long-winded well that served you well last week did it not they must be listening to uh, the shark, I guess, when they come up with that opinion. But uh, no, it's it, it's tough to do. You really get a good feel for uh, and empathize, I guess, or recognize the skill of people who do podcasts and radio shows by themselves or by themselves. Because you know, when you run out of a thought, you can't just pause for five minutes until you come up another thought, you know, you can toss it to you or toss it to shark or toss it to one of the guests. So, um, yeah, it's, it's tough to do by yourself. And luckily code was able to come on there. Uh, you know, it's, it's easy to be your own, uh, worst critic, I guess. And I was quite critical of myself. I think last week, definitely not the best podcast that this, uh, this show has produced last week. That's for sure. But Hey, sometimes, you know, you got to play hurt. The toughest teams, survive uh one would say so yeah sometimes you just got to pick up the ball and run with it yeah that's the best way of putting it and you know what it didn't scare off our guests later in the show we have a fantastic interview with dayton flyer podcaster radio personality up and coming star in my opinion dan sullivan uh he was not scared away by by last week's episode he still came off he's the man by the way i would love he's very funny I'd love to have a beer with that dude or 10 or whatever. He's, he's, he's an awesome dude. Sully has some fantastic stories for us. Uh, he regales us and uh, we, we had former walk on at Dayton 
uh, Logan Norris on the program earlier this summer when we were actually counting down our uh, top what do we do? 50 top 50 college basketball programs ever based on our criteria. And right before we started recording, apparently that hack Matt Norlander is doing the exact same right now, basically using the same criteria as us. Hey, Matt, we already did it, dude. Are we going to have to put Matt Norlander on our shit list? He's, he's typically uh, a guy that I haven't really uh, come to blows with. He's not like a Vital on my list where he's blocked me on the flip side. He's not a Rothstein who I love like, Matt Norlander, dude, why, why are you giving me ammunition here to have beef with you? So I don't want to act like holier than now or whatever because we don't exactly have tens of thousands of listeners to this podcast yet. But yet. yet but sometimes, and you know, I, I do that the warm-up daily uh, newsletter, which doesn't have tens of thousands of daily readers yet. But sometimes you look at these major publications and you think to yourself, are, is what we're doing so common that everyone can think of it? Or are there people out there who are like doing mass research on like grassroots, grassroots level type of podcasts and uh, sports journalism? Because it, it, it always happens that I'll write something in the warm-up and then like three hours later ESPN comes up with something like the same trivia question which I completely do organically. I don't get it from anywhere. I make it up. And again, not that this list, people count down the top 50 basketball teams all the time, but like the criteria that he's using is so specific to what we did and the way he's formulating it. It's, it, it, it makes you think is all I'm trying to say. It makes you think. Well, the deliberation process, we left, for example, we left Washington out of our top 50. We left Providence out of the top 50, like just barely, he doesn't have either of those teams in there, like just barely much like we didn't. Right. I mean, I'm not trying to kiss our own ass here, but we have stated that the, the ears burn the college basketball world's ears burn whenever we put something out into the atmosphere. We've said we're good luck, Chuck, all of that. So this would just be another proof positive example. Well, and even more so like Washington was our 51. He's only he's only released 50, uh, 68 through 50 right now, uh, and over the next two days he'll release the rest of them. So we'll have to monitor this more. Washington is his 51. Washington was our 51. Providence was right outside. Um, the big one though for me, which is extremely strange, is he has Wisconsin at 55. Which I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not at all going to cry a river for for Wisconsin, but a team that has four Final Four appearances. And like has made the tournament twenty four times. It's, well, so uh, this is just this is just an example of swagger jacking gone too far. So he's clearly he's clearly completely jacked our formula. He's he's jacked the top fifty, the idea, yada yada yada. But only we're supposed to hate Wisconsin. We're the ones that are supposed to have the serious disdain and have it completely fog up uh, our our thought process and our and our thoughts on Wisconsin. Clearly, this is has. I mean, some, for some reason, Norlander is just trying to be like us, and he took it a little bit too far. It's like an impersonator overacting, if you will. You know? Yeah. Oh, completely. Agree. Thunder, you never go full retard. That's what this seems like is, is happening. Well, the other thing I think, and we we kind of talked about this a little bit with Sully later, is is how similar everybody in kind of like the sports media field is. And I'm not saying that we are exactly in the middle of the sports media field is, but like this guy, Matt Norlander is getting paid 
hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to come up and do the same exact fucking list that we do for free, you know? So the, the, the line of actually making it and getting in the door is it, it's all about the opportunities, let's call it. And just being in the right place at the right time, which is exactly what Sully talks about later with the success of Dayton and the success of his Dayton podcast. Yeah. You know, a younger version of myself would be pissed. It would be like, Oh, this is unfair shaking my fist at the sky. But at some point you just got to tip your cap and just, you know, for us, hopefully we can catch that big break. But at, at, right now, what I'm basically saying is, you know what? A hug for Norlander. He's able to, he's living out our dream. I say this all the time with Nick Wright. Everyone thinks I hate him. I have a great deal of respect for Nick Wright because he's such a tremendous hack, yet he's reached the apex of his, of his career. I'd love to have Nick Wright's seat and know as little as he does about sports. But, you know, Nick Wright was able to capitalize off of his hackness, whereas I'm still grinding, I suppose. I mean, if we're complimenting people that we hate, uh, Colin Cowherd's kind of that same way. He, you know, echoing back to what I said about doing a whole show by yourself. This dude fucking talks to himself for four hours a day, and like a million people watch him. It's, it, so I guess hug for him too. If we're if we're complimenting all the people we hate in sports media, I'll tell you what I don't hate Coward, but the level of narcissism you have to have to be able to hear yourself talk for four straight hours and most likely enjoy it is pretty impressive. I mean, Gottlieb's up there too. Uh, there, there's a lot of Jim Rome. There's a lot of radio hosts where, I mean, that's why they get paid big bucks, right? It's, it is very difficult five days a week to prep for a show. So well done, Taylor last week. Uh, and one more hug. It, 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 was, it was not, well, it was not well done, but sure. I'll take your compliment. The effort was there. Okay. The effort was there. It was like a 16 seed, uh, getting out to a halftime lead over the one seed. It had people, you know, enticed looking forward to it. You know, don't, don't be too hard on yourself. Um, but I do also want to give out one more hug to the chief, our chief here at the barn. Um, Sam had his bachelor party in Palm Springs. Shark was there over the weekend. So it was kind of like a, a barn summit, if you will. Barber bro was there. Slim was there. Chief, obviously the, 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 the king, um, you know, the, the whole reason they were there. And then of course the shark, uh, I couldn't picture a, What's the word I'm looking for? Term I'm looking for. I couldn't picture uh, a place like like Palm Springs any worse suited for the shark because it's it's nice weather, uh, it's too laid back. It's kind of old, as a matter of fact. Shark is very much a East Coast guy. He is very much a guy that like needs his his lips chapped. Right, he needs to be going 110. percent He needs some sort of adversity. You look at the tweets. He's actually taking a sabbatical from his beloved Washington football team. He needs some sort of letdown, and I feel like Palm Springs is too perfect for him. Sands maybe the Gulf. Uh, that was just my thoughts on on the shark. Since he's not here, we got to talk shoehorn him in a little. Well, I. I'm only speaking from experience of your buddies coming to visit us on, let's call it the West Coast or the Western part of the country, right? A number of them and our loyal listeners have now since moved from the Northeast to the West Coast, uh, the very West Coast even. And it was always funny in college or even when we first lived in Scottsdale when these guys would come out at, you know, from the snow from the stressful life that seems to be the East Coast. Obviously, I've never lived there, but all the time they'd be like, all right, guys, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? When are we doing it? What, when time, what time is the Uber coming? When are we going to eat? What do we eat? Do we need reservations? You know. And you and I, seasoned veterans of this uh, life of leisure that we live out here in the sun, we'd be like, guys, 
it's all good. <laughs> we'll we'll get there, you know. The bars and the restaurants, they're not going anywhere. We'll get there when we get there. So uh I, I don't want to necessarily paint Shark into that, you know, corner, let's call it, but I, I, I can see what you're saying. I, I, I kinda echo your thoughts there. Uh, you know, let's just relax, you know. Let's just relax. Got places to be. I think the, the perfect example is like when you walk into a seven eleven in Arizona or California or something, and you're like grabbing a can of tobacco and the clerk tries to talk you up to guy, just give me the grizzly. Like, I, what are we doing here? Let's get going. Um, so that's, I mean, that, oh, those are some of the biggest differences. Can I dive in here real quick? So since we're completely off topic already of what this podcast is about, I go to CVS over here the other day and, uh, probably this 50 year old dude is working and, um, I, I look at him and I just, I'm pretty talkative as I'm sure people have gathered by this point with, you know, I'll say, Hey, how's it going? You know, whatever. And he looks at me and just no shit. He looks at me and goes, I'm just really fucking tired of this shit, man. <laughs> like, Hey dog. And he just like masks and just the whole world, you know? And he's, I'm like, Hey yeah, dog, I, I feel you, man. I feel you. Yeah. But it, it, again, it became long winded where he's like telling me his thoughts on the election. I'm like, all right, dog, I, I gotta go. You know, I got shit to do. Yeah, you see, you open yourself up to having to entertain someone and potentially even talk them off the ledge, it sounds like. Jesus, this guy This guy seems like he was ready to just call it quits on 2020. But Oh, yeah. he was <laughs> extremely blunt. Just, I'm just really fucking tired of this shit, man. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Oh, I can appreciate candor for sure. Uh, let's go ahead and dive in, though, Taylor, to a couple topics here. We don't have a ton right before we get to the interview with Sully, but big news, NCAA tournament. Uh, is going to be held in Indianapolis. I think they're at least in deep talks to do that. Uh, and basically, you know, we're, we're, we're looking at what is essentially a bubble. It's going to be in one location. Now, Dan Gavitt, he doesn't want it called a bubble. He wants it called a controlled environment. I don't give a shit what you call it, man. Just get me to a tournament. Get me to one and done play, play games. You know, get it done. Please, because you cannot afford to lose out on a second NCAA tournament. Uh, they lost out on $375 million, uh, in revenue last year. So I think this is very much a case of them saying we have zero choice but to get this done. I love this thought. I love having it in one location. I especially love having it in Indiana and Indianapolis. When you think college basketball, when you think basketball in general, you think this great state of, of Indiana, you think the Hoosiers, you think Butler, you think Notre Dame, Purdue. Uh, it's it's perfect, really. And so I just want to make sure that they're able to pull this off logistically. And just uh, another quick thought, I think this is going to be so much better for the players compared to what the NBA guys had to go through. NBA guys have families. They have kids, wives, maybe a couple other uh, extracurricular friends as well that they were completely cut off from. But college players, I mean, they got their teams, they got their their coaches, their, their teammates, like I had mentioned. I think this is a great idea, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Fans will get that. That might be a bridge that we have to cross a little, a little bit later. But, Taylor, tell me your thoughts uh, initially on hosting uh, the, the NCAA tournament in Indianapolis. So for what it's worth, Colts games do have fans at them. So I don't know if that's, you know, going to still be in effect, obviously, by next March. Um, do you know, was the Final Four, I may have missed this, was the Final Four supposed to be in Indy this year? 
Um, I'm not sure. I, th- I, mean, I figured. I just remember the last time it was in it was in India, Indianapolis. Was I think the Aiton year because Jay Williams, or maybe it was the year before because Jay Williams was in Tucson for game day and he did his stupid uh, rip off the the shirt thing and it was like bear down for Indianapolis. I forget how many years ago that was, uh, but I'm not sure. Long story short, sorry Taylor. Um, it was supposed to be in Indianapolis. I just found it finally now. So uh, I feel like people were making a big deal about it. I think Gavin even said we're going to have it at, in a central location as if they were making it seem as if they were moving it from somewhere else. But uh, I feel this was not, it's not like a surprise that this is happening, right? We, we had, we had heard that the NCA trademarked, uh, oh shit, what was that? They trademarked not battle in the bubble, but I can't remember what it was earlier this year. So it wasn't like this is going to be a surprise uh, that, that, that this happened. Uh, but I think it's going to be great. Uh, like you said, I, th- I think the only downside is, um, you know, obviously the Final Four is a huge boon for the local economy. So I'm sure Indianapolis, when this was announced, was like, oh, shit, this is going to be dope. We're going to, you know, an extra billion dollars is going to be put into our economy with all the fans and all this. But now it's, you know, there's going to be very little of that. So that's about the only negative side to this. I think it would be, depending on what the rules of the world are, like you said, if you're a player, I think that'd just be a blast to just sit there all day long and watch basketball. I mean, I remember growing up going to, uh, we had a tournament in Fairbanks, Alaska called the top of the world classic. And, uh, Gonzaga won it a couple of years. Oklahoma won it one year. Um, and so you would just sit there. I remember we'd go in there and we first games were at like 10 AM and you'd sit in that bitch till 10 PM and just watch games over and over and over again. So I think it would be a blast. Well, and you think about what they're currently having to go through, right? Uh, congratulations, you're the best team in the West. You have to go play in Boise. Awesome. After two games, you have to now go to like Tulsa, Oklahoma or some shit, right? Like Indianapolis is a really neat city and you don't have to travel all this uh, every every other round. And that's kind of a reward, right? It's a reward for teams that are performing uh, well and getting deep into the tournament. So I, I do think that college players are going to enjoy this. I think they're going to like this. They're going to, it's going to be neat. It's definitely going to have an AAU feel for sure. I mean, you thought there was an AAU feel with the NBA. These guys are still probably about three, four years removed from their AAU days. College basketball. I mean, you're probably going to see teammates that were, or, or you're going to see guys, you're going to cross paths with a, a former teammate from probably about six months ago six, seven months ago. And I think that's even, that's an added layer of, uh, you know, competitiveness or competition really. So I guess the only thing you would hope and not to be the negative guy here again is you hope that doesn't lead to everybody wanting to just kick it in the lobby of the hotel. And then like six teams get COVID or something, you know, cause they're like, Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Like we just, we grew up together. We played a whatever. And then they're all kicking it together and then everybody gets COVID and the whole thing gets fucked up. Yeah, completely, like completely defeating the purpose. That that actually sounds like me. I get so wrapped up and oh, this is going to be so sweet. This will be so cool. And those kids, they're 18, 19 years old. Oh, I get to kick it with this guy that I was on a recruiting trip with, yada, yada. Uh, and then the coaches are going to be like, guys, there's a whole fucking reason why we're doing this. Um, right. Because we need to avoid large gatherings. Well, I, I would guess, and maybe I missed this in the statement or maybe it just hasn't been decided yet. I'm guessing that we're going to have a delay of some kind in the tournament, right? Like 
why not quarantine everybody for two weeks after like the conference tournaments and then go play this? Why, why not? I mean, there's no rules right now to like when things on the calendar actually have to happen and the season's already shortened. So why not let all these teams practice for two? I think that'd be great. Cause then every team's going to be fresh and practiced up and all ready to go. I think that would be a, a great way to do it. The only problem would be is do you have enough facilities uh, to, to have 68 teams practice in a bubble essentially. Uh, and that's, what's going to be really tough. Uh, you know, obviously Indiana's big basketball state, but um, I guess high schools, you just go practice at local high schools. I guess that would be the only deal. It's kind of funny. It's evoking memories of the Olympics when it was in Sochi, Russia. You remember Jimmy Fallon or maybe it was Kimmel. He staged uh, what looked like to be just atrocious uh, living conditions for the athletes. Like there was a, like it was clearly all staged, but like a deer would be running through these, these dorms with shitty cots and stuff. Like you picture what the NBA bubble was versus what these guys are probably going to have. I mean, maybe it's not going to be that glamorous. I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm overselling this experience, but you're right. I mean, I, you're probably going to be practicing in local high school gyms. Uh, you're probably not going to have the, the greatest amenities as if, you know, a regular hotel. Who knows, though? I mean, I think these are all uh, these are all logistics that will need to be figured out and they should do it. I will say this. Don't procrastinate. They should start thinking about them ASAP because the season's going to end in a lot quicker fashion than people will realize. It's going to it's going to if this year has taught us anything, it's that time fucking flies when you're having the least amount of fun and you're quarantined. So. I mean, they got to start thinking about this now. So uh, this is not my own thought. I'm actually stealing this from someone else that I saw. But uh, they have four arenas there in uh, Indianapolis that would work for basketball. So you could even split the regions into like those four bubbles and uh, including Hinkle. Kind of cool. It's finally getting its due. Yeah, right. Exactly. But. Uh, so maybe they have more, you know, they probably have more high level facilities than I'm even giving uh, that area credit for. Um, but yeah, that would be awesome to see. Yeah. A, a, a lead eight matchup between like Indiana and Kentucky at Hinkle. That would be whatever. I mean, it'd just be kind of cool to see that very classic matchup in a classic arena. Yeah, fingers crossed we get it, that, but that would never it, it, happen. Indiana's not playing. The Indiana's not going to get that happen. done for us. Yeah. Right. That's that'll never happen. But I, I appreciate uh, your wishful thinking for sure. So yeah, big news there. NCAA tournament, all eyes on Indianapolis. I'm probably going to make a drive if possible. Um, if if regulations, all that good stuff hold up, uh, it's only about a four and a half, maybe yeah, four and a half hour drive from Chicago to Indy. So I'll probably end up doing that. Um, next order of business here, Taylor, I'm going to give you the floor to two step. You're going to get a soliloquy if you'd like Greg Marshall, you called it. Now you said he'd be fired. He did willingly resign, but big news out of Wichita, Greg Marshall era is over after, uh, all of the allegations of abuse that, which we covered a couple episodes ago. And it's important to note that him and the school settled on $7.75 million basically to, you know, resign. Um, reports are that the team took this hard, the Marshall res- resignation hard, and they rallied around Marshall, which, I mean, for whatever that's worth, I just wanted to report the other side of it, I suppose. 
Um, and Wichita State confirmed that it did hire St. Louis-based law firm Tueth Keeney to conduct an internal investigation into Marshall's behavior. Now, Taylor, before I let you get to two-stepping, the only reason I brought up that law firm is because Tueth Keeney, who does that remind you of? What old college basketball player does that remind you of the name? Oh, I don't know. This is, I don't know. It's former Syracuse forward. And I do believe national champion QF Dwayne. Oh, excuse me. Oh yeah. Right off, right on the tip of my tongue, man. Right on the tip of my tongue. Um, I want to just point out that I think I, when I uh, kind of brought the question up to you guys, I don't think I said, is Greg Marshall going to get fired? I think will Greg. I think I said, will Greg Marshall be coaching at Wichita State this year? Good semantics. Good semantic. <laughs> All right. There's the gif of the guy p- pointing at his head right there. Yeah, it's all about the phrasing. I, I, you know, I'm not surprised at this at all. Um, clearly, because I thought this was going to happen. Y- you know, in today's world, where there's smoke, there's it means you're getting fired. Let's put it that way. So um, not that bad. was not yeah bad. yeah not bad huh? Um, I I. I think that it's just hard to unring the bell, like I said a couple of weeks ago, that when this stuff is out there, um, it, it, it's always going to be there. It's, it's going to be, you're going to be recruited against uh, by other coaches, uh, you know, with this information. And Wichita State is, has become a really good program, right? But we're not talking about a national championship winning coach. We're not, you know, so I mean, there, I guess it'd be one thing to hire or fire like Calipari for something like this, right? He would get through this, but you're looking at a guy who built a mid-major program into a extremely successful, but still mid-major program. If I, or whatever we're counting the AAC as now, I guess they're not mid-major, whatever. So um, the worst thing that would have happened to Wichita state is he gets, you know, he doesn't get fired or he doesn't resign or whatever. And then more allegations come out later this year in the middle of the season. And then they have to fire him like mid season. It becomes this whole huge scandal where you might as well just cut bait and just roll. Um, the 7.75 million he's getting paid is going to be paid out over a six year span too, which I believe was what was left in his contract. So we're not talking about like the, the donors or boosters, just writing a, a $7.75 million check. So it makes it a little easier to handle because I'm, I'm sure Wichita state doesn't have like an incredibly large amount of resources. Um, and it gives them kind of a full year to find a new coach too, which um, like I, like we said a couple of weeks ago, if there's one year where everything's all fucked up to, to do this, it's probably the right year to do it. Cause if they don't make the tournament, then you're like, Oh, well it's just, you know, COVID new coach, no big deal. You know, so so what do you think, though? Do you think that Wichita State has become a strong enough program now that they're going to be able to find, uh, you know, an, an up and comer type of coach and continue their success? Or is Wichita State going to be kind of like a not one and done because they're not one and done in terms of their success? But are they going to take a huge hit after Marshall leaves here? No, they won't take a huge hit. They're going to get a, a good up and coming uh, coach. And I think being in a basketball crazed state like Kansas is going to be appealing as well. And like you had mentioned, they're no longer in a mid-major conference. They are playing up, up against 
like the, the likes of Cincinnati and the AAC, which is good competition, right? So I think Wichita State will be just fine. I actually also think Greg Marshall will be just fine. So 2020 year of accountability. I've been saying that essentially since April or March. I was wrong about this. I definitely thought Greg Marshall was going to survive this, and I thought he actually might have even been able to have a nice rebound season with Wichita State. That clearly not the case. He didn't survive this. But I am sticking by my thought that Greg Marshall is going to be just fine in the future. If he wants to go get another college job, maybe an assistant coaching job uh, on a a good team, um, or if he wants to maybe start over at a smaller school, I think he's going to get that opportunity. I think – what he's done, and, and this might be the sad reality of it, but I'm just going to tell you my thoughts on the college basketball landscape. What he did was not worth the headache for Wichita State. Sure, I completely understand that. But after a year or so, after this blows over, after this is forgotten by a lot of people, there is going to be a program that's saying, hey, let's not forget about this guy, Greg Marshall. Let's not forget what he did. Not only did he just take them to consistently winning, they, they've been to Final Fours. Um, you know, a final four is, is a different level of winning. There are a lot of coaches that have never been to a final four. Greg Marshall has the same final fours as Mark few, you know, <laughs> like he is more than Sean Miller. He is more than a lot of other, these coaches that are household names. So I think Greg Marshall is going to be just fine. And, and people are going to be knocking on his door. Give it maybe a year or so Wichita state on, on the flip side, they might go through a rebuilding year this year. They'll be just fine though, moving forward as well. And it, they, Wichita state shockers, those fans need to sort of come to grips with the expectations. You're not going to be a Kansas. And I think they know that, but they are going to be looking for NCAA tournament berths. I think that is a fair expectation as a shocker fan. And that's what this next coach, whether it's the assistant that's stepping in or their long-term guy next year, that's what he needs to really aspire to. Seven or eight births every decade is probably not a bad place for Wichita state to be. I mean, I mean, most programs don't even do that anyway, even high. Yeah. Right. No, I mean, I I think that needs to be the bar. Yeah. North Carolina missed the tournament this year, North Carolina, you know? So, I mean, Wichita state, if you make the tournament, a C plus amount of times. So that's pretty good. I hate to make this all about money. Greg Marshall has made like almost $30 million at Wichita state. Uh, his contract for this next year or this last year was 3.6 million. Um, I found a site that randomly breaks this down per day. That means he made $13,730 a day as the coach of Wichita state. Now, obviously this applies to a lot of college basketball coaches as well. I, I, I often think, but I'm not a, a, I mean this in a good way, a psychopath like all these coaches are who are just addicts, like they're addicts essentially to, to coaching basketball, right? But if I was like 57 and I had some kids and someone had paid me 30 something million dollars and that, I, why would I want, I don't know, I, I want to get back on the road. When you're in it, yeah, you don't want to get out of it. But if you're forced out, just go buy some land and just kind of hang out, you know? Yeah, no, I'm completely with you. And especially if you're forced out, but like we referenced Shaka Smart later in this interview with Sully, but if I'm him, dude, why am I Archie Miller? Why am I like, I tried it at Indiana. I tried it at Texas. Why am I taking all this shit from, and and having to deal with all this pressure, man? I got to know I'm bankrolled. Like, yeah. I mean, maybe go out and, and try and turn the ship around, but dude, just you tried it. It's over. The experiment failed. Just go take it easy now, dude. <laughs> well, like, I get, get out of the public eye. I get wanting like professional accomplishments and like all that type of stuff. I completely understand that. But you they know, they got to know they've plateaued. They're not going to get better than right. what they currently are. I hate to say it. 
And there's kind of like a point of diminishing returns, right? Where it's like, especially in Greg Marshall's case, because now he's going to have to go start over at like in Iona, for example, which we'll talk about here shortly. But if I'm I'd like, why would I want to go back to like some low, low, low major school and have to travel to, like you said, like Tulsa, Oklahoma in the dead of winter to recruit some like not ranked high school kid when I'm like worth tens and 50, whatever, you know? So obviously I'm sure shark would have something to say about, Oh, you're not dedicated to the game. And you know, you got, you got to watch games in a dark room by yourself to be a real fan and all that bullshit from whatever you were saying weeks ago, you know, but, but if it was me, I'm like, ah, I could be fine. Just hanging out. Yeah. And I, I, to play devil's advocate, this is spoken as someone who has never had that amount of money. This is spoken as someone who probably won't uh, achieve that level of success. Uh, so I, I, you know, I, I, I have to say that, you know, it, you always hypothesize and you always fantasize and you say, if I were in these shoes, this is exactly how I would do it. I mean, fuck you, you tell you literally sit there and I say to you, Hey, if your employer offered you $50 million and you told them to go kick rocks. I'm going somewhere else. Move me somewhere else. That's exactly what James Harden just did, right? Like, I mean, he he basically just said, I don't need $50 million. I want to win a championship. And some people might just be like, what the hell is wrong with him? But, you know, his his example is obviously a bit more complica- complex as well because he's got money coming in from fucking everywhere. But I see what you're saying. Well, as much as I, I'm not a big Carmelo Anthony fan and not to go overly NBA here, but I actually respect Carmelo in a lot of ways where he's like, you know what? I'm just going to secure the bag and I don't give a fuck about anything else. And I'm good. So I, I, I kind of respect that. Carmelo's a hero, dude. More people like Lou Williams need to be, needs to be like Carmelo Anthony's stop trying to make it work with the Clippers, go get money somewhere. And if you luck into a conference finals and NBA finals hug for you, um, Let's go ahead, though, Taylor, and get to our interview with Dan Sullivan. Before we do that, we want to remind you that we are brought to you by Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe. And now, here is Dan Sullivan. All right, we now welcome a rising star in the college basketball podcast world and Dayton Flyer fanatic, Dan Sullivan. Dan, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for joining. Uh, you are a Pittsburgh native, but you're currently in Chicago. Am I getting that right? Yeah, you got it. Uh, hour, hour behind my, uh, my homeland. So I've been here for like eight years now. Um, time's gone by quickly, but uh, I honestly know much more about Chicago than I do about Pittsburgh these days. It's just been way too long since I've lived there. So people, they go visit and like they'll hit me up because they know I'm from there. And people will be like, what should we do? Where should we go downtown? And I'm like, I couldn't even tell you anymore. I don't know. Let me call my mom. <laughs> so the shark who's not here, he's our other co-host, two straight episodes missed, by the way. Best ability is availability. He's not here. But uh, he has said Pittsburgh is one of the most underrated cities. Having said that, though, I live in Chicago as well, currently broadcasting from Arizona for the holidays. But I'm in the Old Town area of Chicago. Where are you located? Uh, West Town just moved here. I've, I've been I was close to the lake for uh, for seven years. And then uh, just like all things, um, you know, I had to move in with a girl and she didn't want to live there anymore. And she had a dog. And so here I am. Um, you know, the rent's cheaper. So whatever. Such is life. It's nice to split, too. Um, yeah, yeah, it's fine. 
<laughs> so before I hand it off here to uh, to Taylor as well, I just wanted to bring up. I mean, when I when I first reached out to you, uh, I kind of forgot that you're from Pittsburgh and you're in Chicago. Obviously, you rep Dayton quite a bit, but I was, and I'll, I'll tell the theater goer this: I, I was pandering. I was dropping like Chaminade Julianne High School. I was dropping. Uh, I think like uh, my brother in law's a big UD fan, which is true. Yeah. Lives in Lebanon. Did you get a, a pandering vibe at all? I'm glad you joined. No, I, uh, I mean, you know, whatever it takes, man, I'm a salesman by nature anyway. So like anything you can do to connect with people is totally cool. My roommate at UD went to Chaminade Julianne. So like totally, totally get it. You know, um, Martin Sheen, famous graduate of Chaminade Julianne. Um, but like it, it, I don't know. No, it didn't come off as pandering at all because people in Dayton love things that are from Dayton. Like if you, if you talk to somebody that's like an old school Dayton person for long enough, I guarantee you one thing that will come up in conversation is how the first NFL game was played in Dayton, Ohio. I guarantee it. Like it is one of those things people just think is like the most cool thing ever. And I'm, and I'm sitting there like, it's not cool. They played with like leather straps on their heads and everybody just ran into each other. Like it wasn't football. It just happened to be like the first professional organized game. So anyway, it's a long way of saying people from Dayton love shit about Dayton. So yeah. this is incredible. I, I yeah. need you to meet my brother-in-law, Patrick Doyle, day one listener. I actually interviewed him a couple weeks ago, but that's exactly him to a T. He has told me. I mean, he is a a wealth of knowledge about Dayton. He brought up the football game. There's a huge dispute. I said, I said, look, let me let me intentionally piss him off by saying Carolina is the first in flight. He's saying, no, 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 no. The Wright yeah. brothers were from Dayton. That that really sticks in his craw. Uh, but yeah, Taylor, I'll let you jump in here. I, I did have to get that out of the way, though. <laughs> no, we are a very Dayton friendly podcast, and I mean. Soupy's fiance is like he was saying is their her whole family is Ohioan. So I, I I guess I'm by proxy more knowledgeable about Ohio than I ever thought I was going to be. But I mean, let's just dive into I guess your life a little bit here. What what made you get into kind of the podcast world and just kind of the sports journalism world, I guess. And uh, you know, give us a little history about that. Yeah, it's funny to like be getting asked the questions for a change because I'm usually like writing stuff down and I'm like, what am I going to ask next? And like, what's this thing I have to, you know, rattle off to get to the next thing? Um, but yeah, I tell people that, uh, to be honest, it, it was all by accident, like all of it. All, this whole thing was all by accident. Um, when I went to school in Dayton, I went to be a journalism major. Um, I, I got into journalism initially. And then I had this this teacher that I just absolutely hated. And she hated me, too. Like, it was mutual. And, like, I'm one of those guys where, like, I swear it on my sleeve. So, like, if I hate you, like, you'll probably know. And I don't really hate that many people. But, like, she made the list. So, I like, my sophomore year, I was in a class with this lady. And um, she pulled me into her office. And she straight up looked at me. And she was like, you're fucking up. Like, you're not giving effort in this journalism class. I don't even know why you're here. And I go, I said, I, I don't know why I'm here either. I was like, I don't even like you. I said, you're a horrible teacher. You know, and we're just like going in on each other. So from there, I, I quickly moved into broadcast journalism. So I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll make a go on radio, television. I can use the journalism stuff. And then like, I got out of her class so I could like have another class at UD. So I actually went to school for this. Um, and then I got out of school and I got a job with salesforce.com, like an internship. And um, I had a lot of people that were just like, hey, you're really good at selling, you know, software sales. And um, it was probably like the radio guy in me that was good at selling because I can 
articulate stuff. And even now I've been doing interviews to like dabble back into the day job. And people are like, man, like that was really entertaining for you to like lay out your resume. And I'm like, yeah, well, I'm kind of on the radio a lot. So like it it should be like, it should be entertaining. If I'm boring, then like I got to reassess. But, um, Long-winded way to get to the actual answer of the question was um, about four or five years ago, I went to the guys that ran uh, the the site, the Dayton blog. It's called the Blackburn Review. And um, it was kind of like an irreverent fan blog. They pissed a lot of people off the university. Like their thing was ruffling feathers. And they got away with a lot of stuff on the internet that you could not get away with today. Just like really lowbrow comedy type stuff. You know how like the man show like Jimmy Kimmel, you know how he has like his persona, right? Yeah, Teddy's just bouncing right, up right. and down on the trampolines, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, but who Jimmy Kimmel is now is like such a far cry from where he was, right? Um, and my journey through this website, um, you know, it's kind of like that, right? Where I turned it from this irreverent fan blog into actually having like real conversations about Dayton hoops, how much we love Dayton. Um, and so I took over this podcast about four years ago. And really, like my only mantra was, I'm just going to make something for Dayton fans, you know, by a Dayton fan that people want to listen to. Um, And then, you know, things just kind of happen, like I said, by accident. It's like one thing after another. And then um, I'll be the first person to tell you my show's success this year was entirely predicated parallel line with the success of the team. And and without that 29 and two year, you know, the two years before, we didn't go to the tournament. We were in the NIT. The one year, we were 14 and 17. And by mid-February, I was writing articles like, we suck. Like, we're out of it. You know? And, and like, I got a couple people that were, you know, that, that would respond to it. But, um, yeah, it's all happened by accident. I've tried to ride the wave. And, um, you know, here we are, man. A couple thousand people listening per episode. It's been crazy. You're going to have to tell me the professor's name either now or later after the show because my brother-in-law's father is actually a theology professor at the university of dayton so i don't know if there's some sort of uh network that you know if i drop this name he may be able to identify them and you know maybe maybe we can we can knock on her door get her on the program too and you two can hash it out yeah i get i get some really weird stuff like that nowadays um especially just like in random public places um i was at like the ud bar here in chicago this past year and um i introduced myself as sully every time just because it's a lot easier than dan especially when you're like gonna have a five minute conversation with someone and uh the guy was like oh you're the sully like the podcast sully and my friends were behind me and they were like you've got to be fucking kidding me like you know and i it was but it was funny like that's those are the, the the instances where you're like wow maybe i'm doing something that's actually reaching a lot more people than i first thought um, you know, so I try not to take it for granted, but at the same time, like I'm not really doing anything special other than articulating what it's like to be a Dayton fan, you know, and that's who I am anyway. Well, so exactly. I want to talk a little bit about your fanhood. Did you even have a choice growing up or when you were entering junior, senior year of high school, where you were going to school? Because I think you're the son of two flyers. You were, tr- you would travel to Dayton road games or excuse me, home games from Pittsburgh. Was there any doubt in your mind that you were going to go to UD at all? No, there wasn't. Um, but I did have a choice. Like I went to my dad, my dad graduated 77 and I went to him right around my sophomore year of high school. And I was like, you know, dad, I'm going to go to UD. And I kind of caught him off guard. He was like, wow, really? I said, yeah, like I didn't, I don't really want to go anywhere else. And to, to the extent, um, that I didn't want to go anywhere else. I didn't even apply to go anywhere else. And my friends thought that was hilarious. They're like, well, what if you don't get in? I was like, I'm going to get in. Like, 
fucking Dayton. You know, I'm not like I'm not trying to get into Harvard here. Like, you know, it's a good school, but it's not a great school. Um, so, yeah, I there wasn't any doubt in my mind, but I certainly had a choice. And uh, my choice was always kind of like, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to UD. Um, and, you know, like you said, when you, you grow up around the program, when you grow up around the city, um, you know, a lot of a lot of times in grade school, I would be like really looking forward to like that weekend going to Dayton, you know, three, four hours away. And I've been thankful enough to, to put down my roots here in Chicago, where I'm still only about four, four hours and change away from campus, which is cool. Yeah, that's a much more connected route to school than uh, Subi and I took. I'm from Alaska. He's from Boston. And I think the only thing we had in common and why we went to Arizona was basketball program. And it was the exact opposite weather of where yeah. we're from. So, I mean, like you had a much, you had a much better connection than we did. So uh, yeah. did you, I assume, was there a sporting event that you ever missed when you were a student at Dayton or were you first guy in line, get into the student section every game or tell us about that? Yeah. Dayton's real weird. Um, they have since changed this format. Um, I think because they had to, but when I was in school, um, I was in the first or second row of the student section for basketball games uh, the last three years I was on campus. Um, and one of the years I even got a media pass. So I got to do all this cool shit, just like run around the stadium with a camera and like no one asked questions because I was just like media pass. I'm like pointing to my sticker on my uh, my shirt. But um, yeah, so I was in the first two rows for the last three years that um, I was on campus. And in those days, we had this system called spirit points. And the way that spirit points worked was you would um, go to other sporting events. So like basketball is a winter sport. So in the fall, you would have to go to soccer, with men's and women's soccer, volleyball, and then football, I think. And football is what I hated the most. Because like I have, I've had to like silence these things as I get my podcast bigger and bigger because the football team follows me. But like nothing against the football team. We just don't need a football program. And we spend like a million dollars a year to be one double A non-scholarship. And it's just like, my God, like what are we doing here? We're flying 50 guys to San Diego once a year. Like, give me a break. So yeah. you guys got to have a football team, though. You, it's you, like, like for what? Because the first football game was in Dayton. Oh, my God. And like other programs like us have canceled their football programs, like Xavier, for example. Um, they canceled their football program like 30 years ago. And like here we are, like still limping this football program out there. It's it's very weird to me. Again, love the football guys. Um, I promote stuff for them when I can. But if you nail me down to like an honest opinion, I'm like, we don't need a football program. And so um, it's funny because on campus, um, I'm now I'm going off on a tangent. All I was trying to say was that I hated going to the football games because I had to scan my ID. But like the the way I can tell people that don't know Dayton is that. Everybody brings a big time college football program kind of with them. And it tends to be big 10 just because of where we are. But there's a lot of kids from Michigan. There's obviously a lot of kids from Ohio. Um, and then there's a lot of kids from Pittsburgh. So all those kids tend to be like Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, you know, I was Penn State. And it's really easy to kind of separate the two because Dayton's a basketball school. And in the fall, you just have your big time football program. And, you know, like ours isn't on TV anyway. So if you don't drive across the river to go to the games, like you're not going to see them. Um, so, yeah, the, the question initially was like, did I go to all the sporting events? And the answer is that, yes, I had to because you had to get these spirit points to get basketball tickets. Um, so, you know, paid off in the end. I got a lot of pictures in that in that decade or like that era of like Chris Wright going up for a dunk and like in the background, I'm like house drunk with like a 
you know, like a thing on. Yeah, I got my wig on, like sunglasses and shit. So, yeah, that, that part's cool. I'll tell you what, you got to pay your dues if you want to go to the primetime event. I think Arizona had something similar to that as well. Uh, but I'm glad you brought up some of the other represent, representation in Dayton, right? Some people from Michigan, obviously people from within Ohio, different parts of Ohio. We actually ran a Twitter poll the other day, and I want to get your thoughts on this. Is it okay to root for another team or another school if you went to uh, a school? So let me just give you this, this scenario, okay? You went to Dayton, but you also claim Ohio State basketball success. Is that okay? Is that kosher? Yes. I, I uh, No. First of all, no. Uh, not basketball because, like, I, I have the biggest beef with the basketball thing because, like, football, okay, I get it. Like, I just explained to you guys, like, why that is the way it is. And for me, it's perfect because Penn State basketball has been trash, like, my whole life. So it's been great. It's like, well, Dayton doesn't really have a football team. Penn State's basketball is trash. Boom, I got my two programs. Like, we're good to go. Um, but the one thing I'll tell you guys that pisses me off, and I go on and on tangents on this every single year, is the first, like, two or three home games in Dayton every year, they typically are what, like Friday or Saturday? You know those non-con games when you're playing by teams? And you see at least, at least 500 people in UD Arena where because you know, we're both red. So people are wearing Ohio State red. That is the quickest way to piss me off. And every time I'll go into the arena and I'll get on my phone, I'll be like, if you wore Ohio State gear to the Dayton game, like get out of the arena. Like I, I don't care if you're an Ohio State football fan. Obviously, I get it. But like, leave that crap out of my arena because I hate Ohio State, and it's great because I've now made this. Uh, I have like you know my podcast following, and I used to get last year I was trashing on Ohio State during the playoff. I was like, yeah, they're gonna lose this game. Like they're a bunch of bums, and I always people in my DMs like, hey man, if you're trying to grow a podcast, you probably shouldn't be crapping on Ohio State. So the next episode I went on, and I was just like, if anybody doesn't know what my feelings are about Ohio State. F Ohio State. I was like, if they lost games for the rest of my life, never won a single game, football team got blown off a of campus, like I'd be the happiest man on earth. And, and like, so now people know, like, that's where my allegiances lie. But um, yeah, as far as like rooting for UD and Ohio State basketball, like, get out of here, man. Pick a side. Take a Thank stand. You. Yeah. Settled. Settled. Yeah. Take a stand. You got to be a fan. I mean, I have a big problem. Yeah, I have a big problem with um, most of my buddies where I grew up didn't go to a big uh, school with any like big time athletic program. So all my buddies are like Duke fans from like fucking Fairbanks, Alaska. And I'm like, OK, wait oh, a second here. You know, like you that, you've never worst. even been to North Carolina. You've never even west of the east of the Mississippi. Like, how the fuck are you going to tell me yeah. that like my Arizona fanhood and your Duke fanhood are like the same, like fuck off. You don't, you've, you've never yeah. even been there, you know? So those guys are usually I, fans of I the Lakers. Those too. Same <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh yeah. No, Yankee, I totally get it. Yankees. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Those, those um, old Yankees, Duke uh, Lakers or, fans are everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually our guest last week, friend of the program Cody Hoxie is is one of those Duke fans there from Alaska but uh you know I'm happy to hear that you dressed up that you dressed up in the student section because I did wear Gumby a number of times uh going to U of A games uh you you said you had a wig on and some glasses what what else what else did you wear when you were in the student section yeah we uh we had like a whole routine about it and um we got outdone like my third year because we 
we used to go to the arena and then we would always get there like 15 minutes beforehand. Nowadays you have to like camp out for tickets, which I'm like, man, that'd be the worst. Like they're on a first come first serve basis and they open the doors two hours before. And me, I'm like two hours before was like prime time drinking. Like we were slamming beers before we went to games. Now these kids are like stone sober. I'm like going to church. So like back in those days, I get to say that now back in those days, cause I'm 30. But back in those days, we get to the arena early, and then we go up to this like upstairs, uh, this upstairs bathroom. We'd paint our face. It was like a ritual. So we always had. You would know how like good the opponent was coming in that night by the detail I put into my face. Like if Fordham's coming to town, like I don't have face paint on. You know, I'd like. But it was always the wig, the sunglasses, and then the face paint. But um, by the time I was a junior, and this tradition still lasts now, if you ever watch a game in UD Arena, you'll see these guys. But there's three guys that dress up in all blue body paint, like from head to toe. Um, and that's a level of commitment that I just can't get myself to. Like the face paint for 10 minutes, like that's easy. These guys, like 6 o'clock for a 7 o'clock game, were like dunking themselves in blue paint. And like it's all over their shirt and their eyes. And I'm just like, oh, dude, like I got – I got to study for a test after this game. Like I can't be like showering off blue paint all night. So yeah, I, I, you know, I went, I went in enough. So I want to talk a little bit about the team now, Sully. Um, And sports teams have hangovers one year. They're in the title game. They win the title next year. They come back. They stink relative to what you were expecting them to, to perform at. Is there going to be a hangover type feeling or is that something that Dayton fans, the flyers themselves are, a little skeptical about because it's weird last year you had that fantastic regular season and then the tournament postseason play got stripped away so it's not like you you could t- technically say hey we went to a final four a title game is there a, ha- a fear of a hangover feeling for Dayton no n- not inside the fan base um and and what I mean by that is I think honestly what has ended up happening this year is that the national media is kind of like giving too much credence to the guys that we lost. Um, Cause we're not really like starting over. Like I, I know you, know, you have to replace an all American and a, a 20 point a night score. Um, but UD just put together their best recruiting class of all, all time off the back of this, um, you know, this successful year. And so that was like a really good indicator to me that we were kind of riding the wave of success and they were turning their past success this year into success in the recruiting trail and obviously moving forward. So it was great to see that kind of happen because if, if you don't, then last year was all for nothing, you know, then we're um, trying to think of one right off the top of my head of like a team. VCU is a pretty good example. They went to the final four and they've been like a good program since in the A-10, but I mean, they really haven't been great. They've just been good. And Oh, you know what actually is a better example? Sorry, this is the perfect example. Is a, com- a team in our conference, George Mason. So remember George Mason? How, how, long, ago, how yeah. long ago did they go to the Final Four? Do you happen to know? I think that was 2006, 2005? 2006. Maybe? All right, it's been almost 15 years. George Mason is like a doormat in the A-10. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not shitting on George Mason because those are my guys over there, and they know how bad they are, so I don't have to like hammer at home. But – you know, that is exactly what I'm talking about when you miss an opportunity to elevate your program. Because George Mason, they, they're a public commuter school, so they kind of had a, a little bit different challenges than we do. But they didn't capitalize on that Final Four run. And then they kind of took a step back because they had a coach leave. And, um, you know, for Dayton this year, I just don't see that hangover being a thing because last week on my radio show, I talked about this. 
all the little things are starting to finally come together for Dayton. Like we had a coach about 10 years ago who was, who took the recruiting to the next level, but he couldn't develop his players. Then Archie Miller came in. Archie Miller wasn't a great recruiter, but he could develop players, right? So he went out and he scoured the transfer market. And that was why he was successful. Now, Anthony Grant, he can develop players. He's showing that he knows how to recruit. We have the facilities. We have the fan base. We have the money. We have all that stuff that's behind us. And they're the only show in town. And Anthony Grant is an alum who now can articulate that message of what Dayton basketball is. And so I think that this past year was the perfect time for that to happen. But like I said, when I started this, all the pieces are starting to come together. So the way I look at this season is they're probably going to be a lot closer to reloading than rebuilding for those on the outside looking in. So you brought up Anthony Grant and he's got, he's had this, incredible career trajectory. And I apologize there, Taylor, jump in after this, but I'm curious, Dan, not a lot of coaches get multiple shots, right? And it's, it's, it's been up and down for Anthony Grant, right? He had a great rise, I think at VCU and then a a little bit of a poor, poor coaching at at Bama. He was bad at Bama, but now, but now he's here at Dayton, right? And he's back on the ascent. What do you attribute his success to? A little bit of it was like, I think people are starting to appreciate how hard it is to be a basketball coach in an SEC school that's not like Kentucky or Florida. Um, Because after a while for Dayton fans, you started to hear like, yeah, he wasn't good, but it was at Alabama, like whatever, you know? And it's kind of funny because at first it was like, oh, he went up to the power five. And then he failed and he went back down. But then after, like I said, after a while, people kind of like discredited that. Like, ah, well, you know, it, it is Bama. Like it's a football school. So like it's a pretty hard job. And then I think when um, uh, Avery Johnson went there and like he also failed, that kind of said like, okay, it's not just like any other guy that can come in here and get the job done. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for Anthony Grant, it's – it's hard to say like why we've had this meteoric rise because I'll be the first to tell you when he got hired, I was like, is this the best we could do? Because frankly, when you guys think about it, if Anthony Grant's not an alumni of the university of Dayton, there's a 0% chance he's the coach right now. 0%. He wasn't high on anybody's list. He wasn't like a sought after coaching candidate. He came in because he knew the culture, he knew the people, and he's a great guy, you know, and he's, he knows basketball inside and out. But at that time, I mean, he just like, he wasn't really like a sexy pick. And Dayton kind of needed that because they went out on a limb for Archie Miller. He was like a nobody at the time, and it worked. So they had to get it right again. Um, so, you know, I'd love to say that Anthony taking his lumps in Alabama was kind of what led him to, to being successful, but... Honestly, um, I think it was more that he knew he once he figured out or sorry, like once he lived failure in college basketball, he kind of he's such a winner that he never wanted to be back there. And and I guess I just have this feeling that, um, you know, sometimes losing is a better lesson than winning. And I I really do believe that was Anthony Grant's case because he always knew basketball. Like if you ask anybody around Dayton, they're like, you know, he he knows the game. And he knows how to coach you. And he knows what he wants from you. And all he wants to do is win. Um, so I, I think that bad taste in his mouth at Alabama kind of motivated him even more so to be like, I'm not going to let this happen in my alma mater, if that makes sense. 
Well, he's pretty much got to be dating for life now at this point. I can't see him skipping out to another job if you guys have, you know, you know, similar successes you had last year over the course of the next 10 years. Could you ever see him leaving at this point just because of all of the other things that he's been through? No, nah, I mean, I think at some point an NBA job will, will probably come coming or come calling for him um, in one way or another. But um, that's pretty much what it would take to get him out because think about the landscape in college hoops right now. If you don't do a good job, I mean, it happened to Anthony Grant. He was out at Alabama in five years, five or six years. Um, so if you were to make that leap from Dayton to like a big time program, like Archie Miller, you know, he, he, he went to Indiana. If Archie misses the tournament again this year, he is fully on the hot seat or might get fired at the end of this year. And so it's funny, like we just won a recruiting battle with Indiana and Archie Miller left because he was like, I'm losing recruiting battles in Dayton. Like I'm sick of it. And now we're, we're like, we passed him up already. So it, it's like the perfect example for college basketball fans to realize the grass isn't greener. And, and sometimes staying where, you know, you're having success is the best place to be. So with all that in mind, like, I think he's staying at Dayton long-term because there isn't a better college job out there for him, um, you know, within reason. Like, if Duke came calling, you can't, like, pass up Duke. But that's not going to happen. So hypothetically, even if you, you pull out, like, the biggest, you know, Duke, North Carolina, um, th- that's pretty much all the only jobs it would take for him to, to go. And even then, I don't know. So I kind of try to simplify the question these days and say, unless an NBA team wants to make him a head coach, boy, I think that's the only way. And, I mean, he's, like, 50-some years old. Like, do you right. want to go back to the NBA at this age? I don't know. That's a tough sell for me, man. Well, and Dayton's such, like, a perfect program for a guy with – the, you know the the name notoriety that Anthony Grant has it's like it's a big enough program that everybody knows who you are but not so much that you're going to have this like overwhelming pressure to like make the final four every year or anything like that and you guys have more than enough uh you know money to put into you know your facilities and to pay, potentially pay him because I, I think you guys were one of the top 25 most valuable programs in basketball. It's almost like the perfect school where why would you leave? Unless it was Duke or, or North Carolina, why would you leave? Like you, you're not going to go. Florida is not that much of a bigger job or something like that to, to leave. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I actually, um, this is, this is behind the curtain stuff that I, I gained. Cause I was, um, I always like to have some beers in the arena after a game. And I, I that's where I get my best information from the athletic department and, and people that, that are in the know. But, um, when Archie Miller left, uh, the big thing was like, Oh, you know, Indiana bought him out. They paid more. And I was like, listen, like, if you think that like you do not have an understanding of how much money we can throw at people, like we're a private school, we don't have to report our revenue. So Dayton has a lot more money than you think. And sure enough, Archie Miller, I think told Dayton on a Sunday afternoon that he was going to Indiana and our athletic director immediately got on the phone and said, how much do they offer you? And Dayton beat Indiana's offer. I think they offered him over three and a half million to stay in Dayton. And he still said, no, like I'm going to go. And there, you know, there's really nothing you guys could do about it, like in a nice way, but it was, you know, it's just what we're talking about. Archie Miller, he made a decision and it was the right decision. If you have a chance to be the coach of Indiana, you do it. Um, and Archie didn't have any like ties to Dayton. Like we, we, we gave him his break, but he's a Pittsburgh guy. He went to North Carolina state. Like he wasn't tied to Dayton. Um, so, yeah, you know, in that regard, like I said, 
Um, it, it would take a lot to get Anthony Grant out, but it won't be the money. Like if it comes down to him saying, Hey, I want a little bit more money to stay here. Dayton has no problem throwing that kind of stuff in them because that's what keeps the bills paid in, in the city of Dayton in general. I, th- I think that's a great distinction that you made because we look at Archie and Indiana is one of those programs, no matter how bad they really are, that is, you can't deny that. And you could be a savior in Indiana, which he has not been, right? Indiana has been in the pit since Tom Crean, and he took a chance. But I look at a guy like Shaka Smart, who did wonders with VCU. We already referenced their Final Four run, and he went to Texas. Now, Texas, you talk about the amount of money that they throw at you. But in terms of it being a basketball program, it's nowhere near the level of an Indiana, Duke, Carolina, Kansas, things like that. So I, I kind of respect Archie more for swinging for the fences as opposed to Shaka, who's just kind of been meddling at an all right Big 12 school. Yeah. And, um, you know, for Archie, it made sense for a lot of reasons. Um, you know, he didn't have to move that far, which is one. Like, Bloomington's only like 90 minutes from Dayton. It's real close. Um, but, you know, he, he was one of those guys that um, he loved certain players. Um, and he was about winning. Like Archie Miller is not one of those guys that you're going to like sit down and like have a beer with and like, fucking like shoot the shit. Like his circle, his brother, his dad, they're all really fiery basketball coaches and they keep their circle extremely tight. Like, I'm sure you guys know that going to Arizona and you know, Archie's no different than Sean. Like, I think Sean's even more personable than Archie. But he's just not a personable guy. And I'll give you an example of a story that that I um, that I've uncovered over the years. So one of the walk-ons, um, like four years ago, five years ago, Dayton had a seven-man roster, and they brought in like a walk-on because they had thrown two guys off the team. They had another person leave the team, so they were basically down to like six scholarship players. And they figured out one of these walk-ons could play, right? So I had this guy on for a one-on-one interview and we chopped it up for like an hour. And he said the same thing. He's like, Archie Miller is not a guy that like you're going to, you know, be buds with. Like he's your coach. He's there to win games. And the stars of that team were like, oh, Archie's a great guy. He'd do anything for me. This walk-on comes on. He goes, bro, I don't even have Archie's number. He goes, I don't even know how to get in touch with him. Like, and he played for him for four years. Like, he was just like, but he was at the end of the bench. So Archie's like, Okay, this kid is like barely helping me win games. Like, whatever. I don't need to talk to him. Like, that's who he is. But it, like, I'm not shitting on him. It's just like that's why he's gotten to where he is in his profession because it's win at all costs. He doesn't give a shit about like anything else but winning basketball games, and that's why he's great, man. It's Bulls funny great. because we had we had a former walk on at Dayton, Logan Norris, who was the Brian Gregory era. I think that was the coach prior to to Archie. But we asked he was him there about was Archie. There. Yeah. yeah, Logan. Yeah, he was there when I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were the days, man. The glory days. No, we were we were so so in those days, but <laughs> a lot of missed, a lot of missed opportunities in that that four years of Dayton basketball. But we persevered. We got rid of Brian Gregory, so we're all right. Well, it's funny you say that about Archie, though, because before he left Arizona, um, all of the team, all of the players on the team, always talked about how much they loved Book Richardson. I don't think anyone ever said, oh, man, Arch is my dude. You know, they're all like, yo, Book's my guy. You know, he brought me here. That's that's my boy. And Archie left, and everyone was like, all right, good luck, Arch. <laughs> like, there was no – there was no – nothing from any of the players or anything like that. So No, I mean, he's just like he's – a, he's a nuts and bolts coach. Like, he's going to tell you how it is, and he's going to run a tight ship. And um, I never heard anything else. I mean, like – 
Archie, Archie cares about his guys like humans care about other humans, but not like in in, in, in like like an over the top way. You know what I mean? Like like I know guys at Dayton would be like Anthony Grant would do anything for me if I called him up right now. I talk to guys from Kentucky all the time that are like Tubby, Cal. Like I could call them up anytime. They'd do anything for me. They'd get him a job. Like, bro, if you called up Archie, like he might not even pick up the phone. <laughs> that that is an all timeline, by the way, on Titch here. Theater and college hoops has been going for about a year, a little over maybe two years, I forget now. But quote, Archie cares about you like humans care about other humans. That is flawless. <laughs> yeah, that's man. Like, I don't know. It, like I, some people are like, oh, you should go, you should do an interview with Archie, you know, like to do a podcast interview. And I always say like the strength of my show is that we can get off the script a little bit. You know, we, we don't have to talk about things you put in the newspaper. We can really get down into it. Uh, Kyle Davis came on my show and he was telling stories about how Archie was MF and everybody in the locker room one time. Like that's the kind of stuff I want. And so I tell people like, I don't know why you would want me to have Archie Miller on. He did a podcast with a guy from Indiana a couple weeks ago on our network, Field of 68 Network. Shameless plug. Go check out Field of 68 Network. And um, it like he handled it like an interview that was like a press conference after the game. Like if he is in the public eye in any way, shape or form, he is going to give you like nonsense, bullshit, boilerplate, like just nothing answers. And it wasn't like he wasn't being genuine. Like they were good answers, but it was like, well, man, we love our fans in Indiana and they're always coming out to support us. It's like, oh my God, like, okay, like, all right. Like, you know, this might as well just be on CBS right now because this is not worth time. Subi, who was, so when we had Logan Norris on the program, I think he texted Brian Gregory, like, while he was on the program with us. He's like, oh yeah, that's my dude. Who, oh yeah. Who was the uh, player, Subi, that uh, got in trouble for like, London Warren, for like having a a hooker, for like having a hooker in his room or something like that the night before. Oh, <laughs> oh man. So I, so I have yet. So uh, London Warren's one of my buddies. Um, he's, he's a good friend of mine. He graduated he's in Chicago two, too, right? Yeah. He lives pretty close. And I, I see him um, during the Dayton season. So I guess if listeners didn't know, so he was the point guard at Dayton from 06 to 2010. Couldn't shoot where the lick played great defense, great assist, man could get to the bucket as good as anybody just couldn't shoot the ball. Like you could literally play him on the foul line from the three point arc. It wouldn't make any difference. Like his senior year, he might have shot five threes the whole season. So uh, London's funny because he talks like this, man. Like he's a great guy, but this is how he talks. And like he's great because he's always firing off stories and shit. So one day, like after a Dayton game, I'm like, <clears throat> I'm like, London, man, you got to tell me the story of the NIT championship. And um, the story has never been told on a podcast. I can't believe I'm giving it up, man. This is like my greatest stuff. So here's a story about this. So if you look, in 2010, <clears throat> Dayton beat North Carolina for the NIT championship, okay? Um, it was one of North Carolina's down years. I think it's the only year besides this year of the past, like, 15, they haven't made the tournament. So it was, like, a huge disappointment that they were there, which was kind of a funny juxtaposition because all their fans, like, showed up to this game like, oh, fuck, like, we're in the NIT championship. And Dayton fans were like, let's win this, motherfucker, like, let's go! You know, like, <laughs> we were so hyped to be in the NIT championship. I drove there from Pittsburgh to watch the game. That's how hype I was for that game. So uh, if you look at the photos from that game and you look closely, Brian Gregory has a really huge, like his hand is gigantic, right? Um, And he didn't wrap it. He just kind of pulled his suit jacket down like this. So he's like looking at it like this. 
So that's where the story came from. People are like, why the hell is BG's hand all jacked up? I mean, it's like really swollen. So we're having a few beers in Chicago and I'm like, London, man, I was like, you got to come on the podcast and tell the story about the hooker. I go, cause I was friends with most of the guys on the team at that time. So they told me like something had gone down, but they didn't give me like the exact details. So I want to hear from the source. It's like 10 years later. Now this is like a couple months ago. And London was, I'm not going to do his voice. He'd be like, oh man, this is what happened. But he, um, he goes, he's like, apparently it was some girl that he knew from Jacksonville. And like, it was past curfew and he snuck her into the hotel room. And Brian Gregory, they were doing like the, the bed checks for the night. And like, he wouldn't answer. And his roommate at the time was a guy that lived on my floor. That's how I got this story. It was all kind of through this dude. And he's like, so I'm standing outside the door, like keeping watch because like London's banging this girl from home. Right. And BG's walking down the hallway and he's like, I don't want any part of this. So I walked away and I'm like, he's in there, coach. Like, I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. You know, didn't know damn well what he's doing. So they're like banging on the door. And finally, they like, I guess they like forced their way into the hotel room. And London Warren is like mid thrust banging this girl in the hotel room the night before the NIT title. So, so BG, like, I swear to God, this happened. I swear. He walked out in the hallway and he just punched the wall, like, literally just fucking hammered on the wall. And he, and he like, he broke his hand, but he, or he fractured it. I don't know if he fully broke it. And so, uh, like, as the story goes, he didn't want to, like, bandage it that next morning and draw attention to it. So he just kind of let it, and he pulled his jacket down so people couldn't see it. So, like, that's the the story of the NIT championship. This is only shit you get from Dayton fans, like, real in the weeds stuff, guys. That is unreal, because Logan was, refer- was alluding to that, but we never got the full story. And I'll tell you what, Carolina – insult to injury your opponent didn't even take you seriously and they still beat you the next yeah. day like that's 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 that's, that's got to be the lowest of the low oh my gosh that like that team and and this is emblematic of like why that team never like really saw like a ton of success was like they were kind of like guys like you and me okay here's the example i'll, I'll use have you guys ever seen the, the rand you documentary from randy moss yeah yes. that you remember, remember when Randy Moss and uh, that other dude who like is still living in his hometown were like, man, these other teams would come in thinking like they're going to get a piece of us. Me and Randy were like firing up blunts in the backseat on the way to the game. Like we didn't give a fuck. We knew we were going we to smoke these chumps, right? That team was kind of like that. They're like, you know, bro, let's just smoke some L's the night before. Like we got this. We'll take care of this team. And then like, you know, people snuck up on them left and right. Um, they were just kind of one of those teams that, they were like me and you, or you know, it's me. I'm gonna say you guys, but they were like me. They're just kind of like having some beers and chilling. Problem was, they had to go win basketball games, and sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't. I think another you know? added added layer. Sorry, Taylor, is that no, in UD Arena, there's a picture from that NIT title game of BG in his hand, and it's like, is that picture up in UD Arena? <laughs> Like with his hand all all messed up. Yeah, I th- I think there's. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's like some picture of them like with the trophy where you like would have to look closely to like see that his hands messed up. Um, but yeah, they, well, they just they just redid the the arena, so I haven't made a ra- like a round to check out all the pictures, but I'm sure it's there. That's literally who that team was. Like I try to tell people, like 2010 was maybe like one of the like most frustrating years of UD basketball because they had 
just got done going to the tournament in 09 and they lost one dude. And I tell people to this day, the 2010 season was what kept UD basketball out of the big East. Cause if they would have started rattling off tournament appearances, they would have been valuable enough for the big, the big East to pick up, but then they kind of like did a downturn. And, and that's why, man, like I, you know, I remember vividly when I went to UD, like beating those guys midweek, smoking some L's and next day they had a game or whatever, you know, it was just like, they were, they were all great guys and they all love partying. And, um, you know, the, it just wasn't kind of like this head down basketball only, you know, the, the guys nowadays, I feel like is, is like you go to class, you go to the gym, you go home, man. And you know, I think when we were in school it, in 10 years ago, we were kind of on the back half of, of people that got away with doing that, you know, like partying and then going to the games. Like nowadays it's just, I guess it's such a business and it's so cutthroat that it's not impossible. Yeah. Results speak for themselves, right? I mean, partying and partying and drinking 22 season, number one overall seed potentially with all American yada, yada. But as a radio guy, as a podcaster, you obviously are very opinionated in the 40 minutes or so that we've spent talking. I can tell that. Did you ever get into it with any Iowa or Luca Garza fans last year? Oh, not only did I get into it, I got into it. Jordan Bohannon, their shooting guard, bro. You guys can pull that up if you want to. He's my guy now. Um, and it, it was made doubly funny because uh, the the woman I live with is an Iowa fan. Like, you know, from Iowa, born and raised around Iowa City. And so she always loved the Hawkeyes. And um, I can't remember, like, how this transpired. But you guys obviously know because you brought it up, like, when the player of the year was announced, a lot of these Iowa fans were like, why isn't it Luca Garza and blah, blah, blah. And I think I made some like offhand joke and he found it, Jordan Bohannon. And he like retweeted me and was like, bro, like Luca's the best player. And, and so we kept, we started going back and forth. Well, then like it happened like two or three times over the course of like two weeks. And finally me and him kind of had it out where I, I was like, like, hey, man, I really respect, like, how you are conveying your opinion. Because he didn't ruffle any feathers, but he was opinionated. Um, and then eventually he was like, hey, you clearly have enough followers in the Dayton fan base. And I'm kind of sick of, like, dealing with all of them getting into my mentions because people thought it was really funny. Um, but, yeah, so I didn't get into it with Iowa people. I got into it with Iowa players, which I think is more pathetic because I'm, like, almost 30 and – his kids are 21. Like they're so much younger than me now. It's it's not like kids arguing with kids anymore. It's like I'm a grown adult. Like I should probably cut it out. <laughs> this is a safe space, that- man. We're we're 30 years old too. Yeah, yeah well, and well, hey, I'm 31 now, so I feel old as fuck. But um, we have a little bit of a a uh, disagreement from time to time with a bunch of Providence fans. Uh, I don't know why. Why do we even get into it with a oh, bunch of Providence fans? I don't even know why. They're the worst. They're the worst. They're the worst. No, go, no, go on. Elaborate. What's um? There's like the Holy Land of Hoops pot. No, not Holy Land of Hoops. Um, it's something that's like a Big East blog for like SB Nation or some shit like that. Um, and we played Providence like five, six years ago in the NCAA tournament, right? And we like we beat him good. Like we we ha- we gave him like a sound beating from start to finish. Uh, Chris Dunn was on that team. He plays for the Bulls now. And we shut him down. I don't know how many points he had. I could probably look it up. But he he got like six points. And he was All-American, one of the best point guards in the Big East that year. Providence fans were bitching up a storm because we played in Columbus. 
And they were like, how dare Dayton fans? They get this game in Columbus. Like they were like, this game should be in protest and blah, blah. And they're just bitching so much. And, um, and so I started getting with people and I'm just like, dude, take your medicine and like, go home, like quit being a baby. Okay. Like, I know we had way more fans than you did. I'm sorry, but like that didn't change the outcome of the game. Like we kicked your ass from start to finish. And uh, I guess they didn't like it too much because I got blocked by like so many Providence fans. And that's how that's Twitter. Like people don't want to hear your opinion, even if it's reasonable. So it's like, ah, I'll just plug my ears. I don't hear it anymore. So yeah. Um, yeah. They're the worst. Man. They're, they're a tough group. And, and Rhode Island fans hate them too. So I commiserate with Rhode Island fans now about like Providence on the outside looking in. Oh, that's so funny. All the worlds have now collided. Another shameless plug on our end. Listen to the Providence Crier podcast. Our buddy, Mike Surrett, big fan of the program, PC grad, and he calls himself the Providence Crier. Uh, so you know, aptly named, I, I suppose you could say. Um, Indeed. So, Sully, I do want to ask you just two more quick questions. Last year, and look, this is pretty much par for the course for you at this point, especially in the past 365 days. You can't get out of any interview without talking about Obi Toppin, I feel like. So we're going to add to that. Last year, Obi was the one that burst onto the scene in Maui. For casuals like us, that was, I mean, for me at least, I'm not going to speak on behalf of Taylor. That was my first sight at Obi and how great he could be. And then I actually saw him at UD Arena. Um, so you may have known Obi prior to Maui, but I think Maui last year was really when he burst onto the scene. Outside of Jalen Crutcher, who's a guy that is going to, that, that maybe not Obi levels, but can emerge as that second or even third option for Dayton? Yeah, this year it's it's Ibby Watson. Um, very clearly, um, Ibby was the first guy off the bench last year. I think he averaged like nine or ten points a game, and um, you know we we've talked about it. Like the lion's share of scoring is now available to you. Like even Jalen Crutcher was only like thirteen, fourteen a game because Obi was scoring twenty. Jalen, you know, went to the lane half the time, floats it up, and then boom, you know, it's a dunk. Um, so yeah, it's Ibby Watson this year. He's a transfer from Michigan. Um, dude can really play. He'll be in the starting lineup night one. And I actually did an interview a couple weeks ago to kick off my radio show in Dayton with, um, one of our greatest players ever who played in the early two thousands, Brooks Hall. And he goes to practice pretty, pretty consistently. And he was like, bro, I'm telling you right now. He's like, I was right about Obi. And he goes, Ibby Watson is going to drop 15 to 20 a game this year. He goes, there's no doubt in my mind. And I was like, great because we need him to you know like we need we need scoring this year so um that's why i say like i think dayton's a lot closer to reloading than rebuilding and um i'm glad that they're not ranked to start the year because they they're gonna need to earn respect uh, it'll be a weird year but they'll have their opportunities they'll be able to earn respect and you'll see dayton you know playing some big games here soon enough hopefully i'm going through your uh, argument with jordan bohannon right now on twitter it's really it's, it's really great. It's actually. good. Yeah. Like no, no, like no one was really like, you know, in the pantheon of Twitter arguments, no one was really that mean. It was kind of just direct, but we ended up with the amicable end pretty much every time. Yeah. I, I love that. that. He, I love that. He said your 15 minutes of fame. Enjoy your 15 minutes of fame. Like Jordan Bohan yeah. tweeted, tweeting at you. What's your 15 minutes of fame? And then, and then he, he doubled that. Like he eventually came around like weeks later and was like, all right, Sully, like you seem like you're pretty well connected and like a person inside the Dayton fan base. And I was like, see, we've reached a point of understanding. That's what this is all about. All right. Yeah. See, 
I know karma's going to bite me in the ass, so I'm going to preface this statement by saying I mean no ill will or harm to Jordan Bahannon, but he was injured last year, so he literally had nothing but time on his hand to, to oh, yeah. reply to you. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, he had not, nothing, nothing but time. That's why I told him. Like, I think it started like that. I was like, ow, oh, well, you, you're fucking on the bench all year. Like, you had plenty of time to, to reply to me. <laughs> uh, Sully, I'll let you out, out of here uh, on this you were named Daytonian of the week earlier this year. Now this has been a miserable year, but this has to be probably the highlight uh, of your year. And is this the greatest honor that can be bestowed on a Daytonian? Yeah. On a, on a mid-major podcast. Absolutely. Um, I don't, I don't think there's anything that that could, uh, no higher honors. I do love putting that on my Twitter profile to be a little like tongue in cheek. Um, but no, I mean, I mean, you know, good place to to kind of wrap everything up into a bow is just like, um, I told you guys when I started that the team success last year was, was really parallel to my success. Like I couldn't have done it without the team being as good as they were, but, um, you know, I found a, a huge piece of the day community that wants to to kind of, you know, interact with my podcast, too, because it's it's so specific to Dayton. Right. And, um, you know, I have I have a lot of people the Dayton Daily News to thank because we're a bit of a one paper town in Dayton. And, um, you know, they've been incredibly gracious to me. They've always um, kind of recognized what I was doing, number one. And number two, that I was like putting actual effort into making a good show, because I told you guys when I started you know, my, my thought process was I'm a Dayton fan and all I'm ever going to do is make a show that people care about or that I would want to listen to. And, um, eventually, you know, that started to, to trickle down and the local paper started hitting me up and, um, you know, it, it obviously culminated in me getting an interview with Scott Van Pelt, which was just like the wildest thing ever. But, um, you know, all this stuff has been cool. And, and I always say that, not only do the alumni support me a lot, but um, the city of Dayton and like the fans of the program that live in Dayton but didn't go to the school ha- have always been incredibly supportive of me. And um, I have the local media uh, definitely to thank for that. So that was a, a down week in April when there was nothing else going on. And I remember the girl called me and she goes, hey, what are you doing? I was like, what do you mean what am I doing? I was like, nothing like everybody else. I'm in quarantine. And I was in Missouri at the time. And she's like, uh, well, we got into the newsroom and we didn't have a Daytonian of the week. So I said, why don't we do a feature on Sully? And they were like, sure, just get it printed by tomorrow. I was like, sure, I'm in, man. So, so uh, it was it was a cool thing. But um, like I said, it, it just was more of an example of kind of, you know, coming all the way from a reverend fan show to people actually respecting like what I had to say and that I cared about the program. And that's that's the highest compliment I can get, as, as you guys know. <clears throat> Well, hey, Sully, we really appreciate you taking the time, hopping on with some fantastic stories. Best of (laughs) luck to your Flyers this year. Best of luck with everything that you got going on. And we'll have to get you back onto the program here in the near future, okay? Anytime, guys. I'm always available, always happy to do it. It was fun. All right, we want to thank Sully again for hopping onto the program. Again, remarkable stories, great insight. He obviously knows his shit. We need to get him back on the program ASAP. I'm sure we will. I'll be reaching out to him. Just a genuinely funny, good uh, dude and and, great conversation. Great conversation. Let's go ahead and round it out though here, Taylor, uh, with a a segment that we have not done in a while because there hasn't been much theater. But it's This Week in Feet. This was one of the original segments when we launched the program that we uh, that we wanted to highlight, but this week in feet last year, a Monmouth player, I, forget, I don't know his name, Monmouth player steals the ball in, uh, 
in Allen Fieldhouse against Kansas. Complete garbage time. They're getting their ass whooped. Goes down the court, slam dunks, and I think he just like – he. He was chirping. He got a tech. Uh, it was absurd. The only reason I'm bringing this up is because of how funny it was. But also later in that season, that same exact thing happened with Kansas State, Kansas, and Sylvia D'Souza lost it and basically got suspended. And that was the last we saw of Sylvia D'Souza uh, was that Kansas State game. But this week in feet, Monmouth player showing up Kansas and, and their fans down like 55. How can you forget the name George Pappas? George Pappas, my bad. Very or Greek. Pa- yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or or Pappas, I guess. P A P A S. Yeah, that was an awesome moment, though. Uh, unfortunately, we're not going to see much like that this year, but uh, a, a good one to look back upon. Also, that was a that was a year ago already. That's uh, wh- where is the year gone? Right. I told you, time flies when life fucking sucks. That's that's your new that's your new motto right there. Uh, Put that on a shirt or something, you know. That's that's your new call sign or tagline. It's still not as good as what Sully said. Still not as good as you know. Archie cares for you like a human cares for another human. I thought that was perfect. Well, you know, Subi, one of your infamous lines that we use within our group of friends, or at least in our discussions, is if something happens, it's just people doing people things, you know. Nothing else. Nothing else more to say there. You want to finish it off with some hugs? Yeah. So I'll uh, give a hug to former Syracuse great Eric Devendorf. Now here's a guy who we don't exactly probably think of as like the fuzziest, warm and fuzziest individual around. But uh, this week he announced that he's going to pay for 400 families Thanksgiving dinners uh, in the Syracuse area. Um, so that's pretty cool. You you have to uh, uh, sign up online uh at ed or ed23hoops.com and also he's doing a uh, free basketball skills camp um and which is taking in donations of uh food for uh less fortunate families as well so pretty cool uh nice holiday spirit from our man eric devendorf hug for devendorf on his nino brown shit um i am going to give my hug to now former Baylor basketball player Tristan Clark, who unfortunately had to retire, step away from the game because of chronic knee issues. Uh, we know this all too well, Taylor. We had a player at Arizona, Raekwon Smith, who had to do something similar. He retired because of knee issues. And it's never easy, obviously, to retire prior to realizing your dream of becoming a professional player. Obviously, in high school, middle school, Kids want to go to the NBA. Then once you get to college, you start thinking, okay, maybe I, I can't make it in the NBA, but I can still play professionally. I mean, I would say a good deal of starters and even bench players at the D1 level can play even in Europe, in China, in all of these different countries. Uh, but Tristan Clark, unfortunately, had to hang him up. And it's an especially tough pill to swallow because of how great Baylor is was last year and how great they're going to be this year and how much he contributed to that greatness. So sincere hug for Tristan Clark. We wish you a speedy recovery and hopefully you can get back to the game uh, that you love so much. And you know what? I, it just dawned on me. This sucks, especially for Baylor fans, Isaiah Austin. I, Isaiah Austin had to step away from the game uh, because of an eye injury or an eye issue that he had as well. So those are two great players for Baylor and their fans, fan favorites, I should say, that had to step away from the game and have their careers cut short. Yeah, it's always unfortunate um, 
because a lot of college basketball is looking towards the future. Recruiting is half of the stories in college basketball and then projecting how good these players are going to be as they grow. When that's cut short, obviously it's, it's terrible for uh, the fans, but even, you know, 10 times worse, hundred times worse for the actual people or person that has to go through that. Ladies and gentlemen, we have one more week. Just one more week, and the next time you'll hear from us, we'll have college basketball, baby. Set your alarms. Do whatever you need to do next Wednesday. Listen to the show, and then roll it right into college basketball viewing. It's going to be a wonderful Thanksgiving break. We thank you again for listening. We'll catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops. Heads up! Heads up! Here's another one, another one, and and another one. Why you all in my ear talking a whole bunch of shit that I ain't trying to hear? Get back, motherfucker, you don't know me like that. Start falling, we all in together now. Birds of a feather now. Just bought a plane, so we changing the weather now. So put your brakes on, caps, put your capes on, and knock off your block. Get dropped and have your face flown. Cause I'll prove it. Scratch off the music like, hey, little stupid, don't make me lose it. Why you all in my ear talking a whole bunch of shit that I ain't trying to hear? Get back, motherfucker, you don't know me like that. Get back, motherfucker, you don't know me like that. Playing around, make one false move, I take it down. Get back, motherfucker, you don't know me like that. Get back, motherfucker, you don't know me like that. I came, I came, I saw, I saw, I hit him right dead in the jaw. In the jaw, I came, I came, I saw, I saw, I hit him right dead in the jaw. In the jaw, I came, I came, I saw, I saw, I hit him right dead in the jaw. In the jaw, I came, I came, I saw, I saw, I hit him right. See, I caught him with a right hook, caught him with a jab, caught him with an uppercut, kicked him in his head, sent him on his way, cause I ain't for that talk, and no trips to the county, I ain't for that walk, we split like two pins at the end of a lane, we'll knock out your spotlight and put an end to your veins, put a DTP pendant at the end of your chain, and put the booty of a switch at the end of a plane, why you all in my ear, talking a whole bunch of shit that I ain't trying to hear, get back, motherfucker, you don't know me like that. Get back, motherfucker, you don't know me like that. Geek, geek, whoop, whoop. I ain't playing around. Make one false move, I take it down. Get back, motherfucker, you don't know me like that. Get back, motherfucker, you don't know me like that. Hey, you won't fuck with me. I'ma tell you one time, don't fuck with me. Get down. Cause I ain't got nothing to lose and I'm having a bad day. Don't make me take it out on you. You won't fuck with me. I'ma tell you one time, don't fuck with me. Get down. Cause I ain't got nothing to lose and I'm having a bad day. Don't make me take it out on you. Man, cause I don't want to 
do that. I wanna have a good time and enjoy my jack. Sit back and watch the women get drunk as hell. So I can wake up in the morning with a story to tell. I know it's been a little while since I've been out the house. But now I'm here, you wanna stand around running your mouth? I can't hear nothing you saying or spitting, so what's up? Don't you see we in the club, man? Shut the fuck up. Why you all in my ear talking a whole bunch of shit that I ain't trying to hear? Get back, motherfucker, you don't know me like that. Red light district. Ah, we in the red light district. Ah, we in the red light district.